Hi, I'm Ted Spear, pastor of the Fundamental Baptist Church International in Kumasi, Ghana, West Africa. Today's message is the first message in a series of messages on the subject of salvation. Today's topic is what is salvation? I hope you'll watch today and in the coming weeks as we break down this all-important subject concerning salvation. Thank you. Let me introduce to you the Fundamental Baptist Church International in Boshane Kumasi. At our church, we have a motto. We are people of the book. That book is the Bible, God's holy word. And that's why at our church, we have a vibrant Sunday school ministry where we have classes for all ages, both children and teenagers, as well as adults. In addition to that, we also have preaching services on Sunday evening and also Bible studies on Wednesday night. Our church also has an affiliation with the Hope Fundamental Baptist Church for the Deaf, where deaf people have a pastor, missionary Baraka Hall, and each week these deaf are able to hear the Word of God preached in sign language where they also can understand and receive God's truths from His holy book. In addition to our church services, our church provides transportation for over 200 people each week to come and be a part of the fellowship here at the Fundamental Baptist Church International. So let me invite you to come out and be a part of the Fundamental Baptist Church International and receive biblical teaching and friendly fellowship and love here at our church. God bless you. Today's message is going to be the first in a series of messages where I'm going to be teaching on the subject of salvation. And we're going to begin today with a verse from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 20 and verse number 4. The Bible says, For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies. To save you. There is certainly no more uh, confusing or argued about subject in Christianity than the subject of salvation. What does someone have to do to be saved? And we're going to talk about that at great length starting today. Now, we're going to be dealing with this subject for many weeks. And in today's message, I want to address the subject of what is salvation. Just We're going to talk about the word salvation. What does it mean? And so this is sort of a foundation in understanding all that there is to know about the subject of salvation. And... Um, the problem that many have in understanding verses in the Bible that talk about being saved is that oftentimes we misdefine what salvation is and therefore we don't always understand the context of a particular verse in the Bible. So we want to talk to you today specifically in the beginning of this message and throughout this message or the beginning of this series and throughout this message today about this 
idea of salvation, what does it mean? Oftentimes, people hear preaching about salvation, or they read a verse in the Bible that talks about being saved. In our minds, we are thinking automatically that, that the subject is dealing with escaping everlasting punishment and receiving eternal life. And that's often where someone's mind is on this subject. But salvation is much, it's a much bigger subject than simply escaping God's wrath and receiving eternal life. It's, it, it means much more than that. And I'll, I'll give you an example here. I'm going to give you three different illustrations that help us to see that the subject of salvation is not dealing with just the matter of escaping hellfire. For example, let's say I were to say to you that yesterday a young man ran out into the street and he didn't see a coming vehicle and someone rescued him. Someone pulled him out of the way of the vehicle and he was not hurt. We would say that that young man was saved. But the question would come, what was he saved from? Well, was he saved from a burning hell? No. Was he saved from the eternal wrath of God? No. He was saved from being hit by a vehicle. A second illustration. When I was a young boy, uh, just a young child, I was probably two or three years old, and my mother had taken me to a swimming pool. And I have a very, very faint memory of this event, but I do remember it. I have a picture of it in my mind. I was standing uh, next to the pool, and I fell in. And it was probably four foot deep, and I was obviously just probably about two feet tall. And I fell into the water, and I was no one had seen me. Uh, I was drowning, and a woman started to scream. She saw me, and she started screaming, but she didn't pull me out. And my mom heard the screams, and she ran over, and she pulled me out of the pool. But she saved my life. She saved me from drowning. Now, she didn't save me from hell, but she saved me from a swimming pool. So I'm trying to show to you that when we talk about this subject of salvation, that a person can be saved from different things. And when we look in the Bible, and the Bible talks about salvation, it's not always dealing with being saved from hell. Sometimes it's being saved from something else. And we have to always be careful to uh, understand the context of what the Bible is speaking of so that we can understand salvation properly. A third illustration, a young girl is being uh, held 
at gunpoint. Someone has a young girl and they've got a gun on her and they're threatening her. And a policeman comes and rescues her. That policeman has rescued her from danger, but he has not rescued her from hell. So in each of these illustrations that I've given you, a young man runs into the street. He's rescued from an oncoming vehicle. I fall into the water as a young child. I'm pulled out of the water by my mother. A young girl is held at gunpoint. A policeman rescues them. In every one of these situations, someone has been rescued. Someone has been delivered from danger. And so, in none of those illustrations was someone being rescued from hell. So just because the word saved or salvation is being used, it doesn't automatically mean someone's being rescued from hell. And so let me give you a few examples from the Bible. In Genesis chapter 45, verse 6 and 7, the Bible says this, For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years into which there shall be, or into which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Now, this is the story of uh, Joseph and the children of Israel in Egypt. And it says that God had uh, prophesied or he had told Joseph in a dream that there would be seven years of famine where there would be very little food, where the people would suffer. And he had sent Joseph as a leader uh, and given him wisdom of how to prepare for this famine. And so the, it says that Joseph was sent to save the lives of his people. And the Bible calls this salvation a great deliverance. In another verse in the Bible, in Exodus chapter 1, in verse 17, the Bible says this, But the midwives feared God, and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men, children, alive. In this verse, the king of Egypt, the Bible calls him Pharaoh, he had given a command to all the midwives to kill all of the male children that were born of the Hebrew women. And we see here that the midwives feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. And by the way, let me say, we should always obey God first and man second. If, if the government or if your mom and dad or if your pastor, it doesn't matter, your teacher is telling you to do wrong, well, it's always right to do right. It's always right to obey God. And these midwives feared God more than the king, and the Bible says that they did not see to it 
that the children, the male children were murdered, but they saved them alive. So they literally saved their physical life. This salvation had nothing to do, or I should say this salvation had everything to do with keeping the children alive, but had nothing to do with saving anyone from the penalty of hell. In Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse 3, the Bible says, And shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint, fear not, and do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. So many times in the Bible, in the Old Testament, God led his people into battle. And he said to them, I will be with you and I will fight for you and I will be against your enemy and I will save you from your enemy. So the salvation in these verses refers to a deliverance, a rescue from a human enemy that would kill them in battle. So the word salvation, it is a noun, okay? When we talk about English, we have nouns and we have verbs. And a verb is an action. A noun is a person, place, or thing. So salvation is a noun. It's a person, place, or thing. So in this case, it's a thing, okay? And the word save is a verb. It's an action. And so salvation is the noun form of the word to save. And it simply means deliverance, okay? And you can deliver or you can save from something or you can save or deliver to something, okay? And therefore, salvation is a type of rescue or a type of deliverance. Sometimes in the Bible, when we see the word saved, it's talking about being delivered from the wrath of God, being delivered from a fiery hell. But at other times, it's not talking about that at all. It's talking about being saved from an enemy or from some type of danger. When I trusted Christ as my Savior in 1991, uh, I was eternally rescued or saved from the punishment of hell. I had been delivered by God to eternal life saved from the second death of hellfire. Nevertheless, God does not redeem us or God does not save us from hell just so that we don't go to hell. God has so much more for us that He wants to give to us, that He wants to use us to do than just escaping hell. So, Salvation from hell is a rescue from danger. But God has more that he wants to, live, to deliver you unto. So God delivers us from something, 
But he also wants to, to deliver us to something. And God wants to deliver us from hell. He also wants to deliver us from a life that is characterized as a sinful lifestyle. And he wants to deliver us. He wants us to grow and move on to a life of good works. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10, the Bible says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So God has saved me from hellfire. He's delivered me from that through his grace, which is in Jesus Christ, by faith. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So he saved me from hell by grace through faith. But he saves me, or he wants to save me, he wants to deliver me unto good works. He wants to deliver me unto a fruitful life. And that involves us getting involved in obeying and growing in the Lord. So I got saved in 1991. God gave me eternal life because I put my faith in Jesus Christ. He saved me from hell. But as I began to walk with God, as I began to read the Bible, as I began to go to church, as I began to listen to preaching, as I began to apply my heart to what thus saith the Lord and to follow His principles. Not all of them, no one is perfect. But as I began to do more right than I did wrong, and I began to grow in my knowledge of God and what He wants for my life, God began to change me greatly. And my life was delivered. Not just delivered from hell, but delivered from much foolishness, delivered from much sinfulness, and I became useful for God's purposes in this life. My life was salvaged. Salvaged not just from a devil's hell, but salvaged from a wasted life here on earth. Not only had I received the salvation of my soul from a lake of fire, but I had gained the salvation of my life from uselessness to fruitfulness. So we're talking about two types of salvation here. Two types of deliverance. A deliverance from a lake of fire and a deliverance to a fruitful, productive Christian life. And as we continue to discuss this subject of salvation, okay, over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about regeneration, explaining what that is. We're going to be talking about imputation. We're going to talk about justification. We're going to talk about sanctification. We're going to talk about redemption. We're going to talk about preservation 
and we're going to explain how all these words from the Bible relate to the subject of salvation. And what I want you to understand from today's message is that in the Bible, when we're talking about salvation, sometimes it's referring to escaping hell, and sometimes it's referring to the Christian life. And if we don't get that right, we're going to misinterpret Scripture, and we're not going to understand salvation correctly. Let me give you an example from the Bible of a verse before we close today where the word salvation is used and it's not talking about being delivered from hell. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 19, the Bible says, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Verse 20, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose I walk not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Now in verse 19, the Apostle Paul is speaking of himself, and he says, he refers to salvation. He says this salvation that he desires is to take place as a result of the prayers of the Philippian people and by the supply of Christ. Was Paul talking about the second birth? Was he talking about being born again? Was he talking about being rescued from hell? No. Uh, was he talking about being redeemed from sin? Absolutely not. In verse 21, Paul said, to die is gain. In verse 23, he spoke of departing this life and being with Christ. Paul had no doubt that he was a child of God. He had no doubt that his eternity was to be with Christ. The salvation that he spoke of in verse 19 was not a deliverance from the second death. Paul at the time was writing from a prison in Rome when he was writing this letter. And perhaps he was speaking about being delivered from that captivity, that imprisonment. I personally believe that he was speaking uh, of a redemption of his life, of a redemption of the effort that he was using to serve God, that it would one day work out to his good, that God would reward him, that it would turn out to be fruitful for him. Though he was suffering, it would not be in vain. He would be delivered from that suffering to an eternal reward. His effort would be salvaged and he would ultimately be delivered unto a reward for his effort. But whatever he was referring to here, we can just disagree on what this salvation specifically is. But we cannot disagree that he is not talking about hell. Because if the man was talking about hell, 
it would make no sense because he knew he was going to heaven. And he knew he had already been saved. This is the apostle. This is the man who's writing the words of God. The idea that he had not already been saved is utterly ridiculous for anyone to suggest. So, what is salvation? Salvation means deliverance or rescue from danger. And what we're going to be doing over the next many weeks, as you keep coming back to this broadcast on Sunday mornings, is we're going to be talking about in detail the salvation of your soul. How does that happen? What happens when you're saved? And we're going to be talking about the different words in the Bible that describe the salvation of a soul from the eternal lake of fire. And we're going to be explaining some words in the Bible that maybe have confused you or maybe that do confuse you as you read the Bible or as you hear other people speak. So I hope you'll come back next week. We're going to be talking about regeneration. God bless you and thank you for watching The Fundamental Hour. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Sarver, the Vice President of Howells Anderson College of West Africa. I am so impressed by how many Ghanaians have a desire to serve Christ Jesus with their life. At House Anderson, I have received a foundation for sound biblical doctrine. I appreciate so much the practical training I'm enjoying from House Anderson Bible Training College. Our president, Dr. Ted Spear, knows the importance of sound Bible teaching and ministry training. I thank God for the students that he has brought to our Bible college. God has blessed our college with wonderful educational facilities. We have classrooms, library, chapel for inspirational preaching, and also time and space for other enjoyable activities. Do you have a desire to serve God? We hope that you will allow us to have a part in your training. At Howes Anderson College of West Africa, we are all about Bible and ministry training. If you are interested in training with us, please call us or message us at 054-435-2810. Hiles Anderson College, training Africans to serve Christ.